Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Control Alt Career. I'm your host, Jennifer Ong, and in this podcast, I interview people who have taken a leap of faith and pursued an alternative career path in Asia. If you don't know me already, I'm a two-time career switcher and pivoted from BlackRock to fashion startup to now career change coach, where I focus on helping high achievers unhappy with your perfect on paper corporate job find direction, and pivot into a perfect-for-you career. So if this sounds like you and you're looking for some help, feel free to send me a message. All right. In today's episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Jane Horan, founder of The Horan Group, an agency focused on helping organizations build inclusion to retain talent. Before this, Jane spent her career in HR in Asia, working for different multinational companies, ranging from CNBC, Walt Disney, and Kraft Foods. She also has a PhD in education with a focus on Asian women leaders, and is the author of several books covering topics ranging from understanding corporate politics to how to succeed as a female leader in Asia. I've split this episode up into two parts. The first one is on Jane's fascinating career journey and how she built the Horan Group. And the second one, which is the one you're listening to right now, is going to be focused on practical tips that Jane shares around networking and mentorship. So if you haven't yet tuned into part one, I highly recommend you go check it out before you press play on this one. All right, I'll hand over to Jane now to share her story. In terms of identifying the power dynamics, I think that kind of ties into the concept of sponsorship, right? So when I was um, in the corporate world, I think one of the aha moments that I learned was there's a difference between a mentor and a sponsor. So yeah. a mentor is someone who can advise you on your career and kind of help you along in your journey. But the difference between a mentor and a sponsor is a sponsor kind of speaks on your behalf in front of people who are the decision makers, and so it's useful to have not just mentorship relationships, but also relationships with sponsors, because you do need someone to speak on your behalf in front of the people who are making decisions. Um, yep. And a lot of the times, um, it's not just enough that you're doing good work, but you also need to socialize the good work that you are you are doing. And yeah. so for me, I think one of the biggest struggles I had was I you know, growing up with a very Asian mindset where it's very much like be humble. Like we're always told to be humble. Uh, if you do good work, you know, you will get recognized. Just be patient. Uh, your time will come. Uh, don't be too pushy. Uh, I think that those, I mean, I'm overly generalizing here, but I think those are some sentiments that I had personally uh, back then, right? And so for me, I think what I really struggled with was balancing the values that I was taught growing up of like humility and put your head down and do the good work versus what I learned in order to succeed in a, a more corporate environment. Um, and granted, I work for a US-based company, so it was maybe more US-centric in, in the in the corporate world. Um, you know, having to socialize that and, you know, be confident and tell people the good work that you're doing and find sponsors who speak on your behalf. Um, it was a big challenge for me then. Um, and so I wanted to ask you from your perspective, you know, working with a lot of Asian women, trying to get them into leadership roles, helping them with, you know, corporate politics. What is your advice here for women who are struggling with these two halves? Yeah, it's a it is definitely a struggle. Um, I think it's, I would say, 
um a lot of people get those messages but i completely agree with you on the cross-cultural piece from an asian perspective and yeah and i realize we're both kind of generalizing but well i think putting it in the cultural context is important and i also like the point that you brought up while well, i work for an american firm i think that's a really important nuance to make there are some organizational components of let's just say u.s firms that it is expected that you will speak up um and it, and again it goes back to studying cultures if you if you grew up sort of the american values i actually learned this from an australian gentleman when i was giving a talk he said oh you americans are always taught to stand up and talk about you know stand up and say who you are from grade school. And I went, you know what, you're right. It is about standing up and saying, well, this is what I think. This is what I feel. So, 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 so the culture is the organizational culture is important because that wouldn't be the same in a Japanese firm, right. Mm -hmm. Or in a Thai firm. So, so I think that for, for, I'm talking from a political savvy point of view, it's important to understand the organizational culture. And then let's get back to our individual cultures um, what I, I, I agree with you on, it is hard and I've written about it in my book, but, uh, I actually wish I would take that chapter out if I were to rewrite the book on self-promotion. Probably one of the hardest things. Some people are natural at it. They can do it and it's, and, and, and good on them. Right. But other people, it just feels, Ooh, cringeworthy. Right. Or it's against my values. So the important part is what there's two pieces to this. And I, I talk about this a lot with um, people that I coach and I do coach a lot of women. So it is to look at what is your impact and contribution that you're making to the firm. And if you're working in this big amorphous firm, I don't care if it's Disney, BlackRock, HSBC, the Asian Development Bank, there's usually a headquarters somewhere. And if you're sitting in Singapore or Hong Kong or someplace else, the people that are making decisions about your career are, might not be here, or it might not be in your country. So how do you get that mess? Hard work is good and we're all taught that, but it comes a point that your work doesn't speak for itself. So how do you lift that? And to lift that, it gets back to what you were saying. And sometimes people don't have sponsors. I mean, sometimes sponsors inside organizations, I know that Citibank and others really focus on sponsors. What if you don't have a sponsorship program? That's where the network piece is critical. A mentor, okay, if it's inside the firm, because you, um, I said the mentors of my research was outside the family. You don't want your family calling, say, hey, give Jennifer a raise. Um, so a mentor internally is going to be your guide, but they can also be a spokesperson for you. A political savvy advisor, which I highly recommend having in your network, is the one who's going to be the bridge between the mentor and the sponsor and kind of give you the ropes to say, you're going to, you're going for this role. Here's other people that are going for that role. Let, here's the way you need to pitch that, you know, that you're doing or your new work or whatever, your new idea. Uh connectors inside the organization who's connected to whom who's whispering in whose ears who do you know that maybe would um sell your idea or get you connected to somebody that you need to get connected to but when you do present um and when you are in that capacity of this is say is talking about selling a new idea what is the impact on the firm what what is this giving back to the firm or what is this what did your team do on that project that you want to highlight your team? Oh, 
uh, we, you know, say you did a big project and I was on your team and you write an email and saying, here's what we just completed here. Here are the strengths that we had. Here's what Jane did. Here's what Sue did. Here's what Bob did. By you just highlighting the people on your team, you're the one getting recognized for that. And so it's a very, it's not just, hi, I'm Jane and I have got this doctorate and I speak, you know, da, 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 da. people don't want to hear that. They want to hear what are you doing for me or what, what's your contribution or what's the impact? And that's the message that needs to get out. And then that makes it more palatable. If you, I would think, let me ask you, do you think that's more palatable? If you think about mm -hmm. talking about, well, here's the impact we had last, last quarter. Yeah. And I, I really like that. I think a lot of the times we think about it as just, Hey, I'm doing good work and let me just showcase the work that I'm doing. But where the missing link is, is highlighting how that affects the co company, how that improved the department or whatever it is. Right. I think a lot of the times we just say, Hey, this is the good work that I've been doing. When the key piece to getting promoted or navigating the politics is really being able to connect that to the broader picture that is outside of you, that benefits the company or benefits the, the team or whatever it might be. And I think that that's a lot of times the missing piece that we don't frame it, that additional next step that we can just add on uh, that I think can make our message a lot uh, more palatable, as you said. Yeah. I mean, have you ever had somebody come up to you and kind of give you the first maybe two minutes or one minute of how great they are and the impact on you? Like, how does that land? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so if we think about it from that way, <laughs> it makes a difference, right? But if, you know, we came up and said, hey, you know, I just want to tell you what my team did last week and Fred and my team is amazing. And, and think about the people who have a, who maybe don't speak up or, what whatever and you know they're really good and you're putting them in the limelight not you know this is the spotlight i know if they don't want it but you're sharing the good work that they've done it's it's just it's it to me that's leadership and it's more powerful um to do it that way and it goes a long way i think sometimes we get the message sorry not we but i think what happens is you know there's a message like, oh, we have to self-promote, self-promote, you know, whether it be social media or whatever. And it's not the full message yet. You do need to talk about your work, but you need to talk about it with something else. Like, like I said, contribution or impact. That's the full message. Um, and then better yet, if you had somebody else talking about you, which is what the network does, uh, which, which actually, when you asked about that role that I got in Hong Kong, was somebody who introduced me to that company. They said you need to talk to her. Like, how powerful is that inside an organization to say, "Look, Jennifer is an expert in financial modeling. You really need to have her on this team." That's what a sponsor does, and that. But you can make that happen through your networks. And so, I actually wanted to ask you, how do you go about building these networks? Right. I know we've spoken a lot about having the right team around you or having the, ha having the right mentors, advisors, sponsors, how, how do you go about building these, these mentorship or these relationships with, with these people? Yeah. You know, this is one that, so a lot of times when I do talks on building a network or creating a network or a network of advisors, which is like I said, a lot that I learned from women in my research the next piece is exactly the piece that you ask, well, how do I do this? And um, 
I recognize um, for me, I can, I pretty much can talk to anyone. I, I find people fascinating. And so even on airplanes, people sit next to me and I'll, and within five minutes, I'll have their whole life story. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's something within me that I, I find, I, I mean, I'm sure we all have had this, but taxi drivers in Singapore, I think uh, are the best with stories, right? So just, um, so I think it's more, and, and then if you dial that back, I'll get it to the now, it's, it's, it's asking people about themselves, you know, like um, you need to build a relationship first. A lot of people will say to me, like, I want to find a mentor. Well, find somebody that you think has been a, giving you great advice and a good guide. Um, if we're talking about savvy internally, it's good because <clears throat> they're going to know the internal workings inside an organization, not to say you shouldn't have a mentor outside of that, but you don't need to say to that person, oh, will you be my mentor? You can just start picking up and having a conversation with that person. Um, what do they do? Why did they stay? Like, let's just say, if, uh, let's just put myself back at Disney. What, what brought you to Disney? Um, what makes you stay here? What do you look forward to? Um, what are some concerns that you have about what's happening in the marketplace right now? Do you know those general conversations, right? And then, um, and then I find if you want to be with a senior leader, a lot of times senior leaders love to give advice. And sometimes I don't have people talking to them just to say, can I seek your advice on this? Or, I've, um, a question I have. Another way to go about it is to say, look, I, I noticed your team is working on this. Um, I've got, I've got expertise in this area. Can I, you know, I'd like to give you, can I offer my help or something? So it's more about building the building, building the relationship first and then continuing it. And I would say I'd find out somebody inside the organization who's in connected to everybody there's always somebody like that there's probably multiple people like that and then they can introduce you to other people really all you need is probably one connector and then you're you're good to go like you'll be connected to everybody in the organization um i would seek out somebody who's a savvy advisor that can typically be your boss when i was at disney i had a very savvy boss who would just ask me questions and say, you know, what's underneath this question or why do you think this person's asking this? And he kind of opened my eyes to a lot of what was going on. Um, and then um, previous colleagues or previous bosses I'd stay connected with and just ask different questions. It's about building relationships is what it's all about. And if people are uncomfortable with that, here's a great piece of advice I, I learned from somebody is, say you're going to a big event, right? Uh, at work, go in with one intention of what you want to talk about, uh, go in with making one, one relationship, and then have three generic questions in your back pocket that you're going to ask. Mm -hmm. For people who don't feel comfortable asking mm -hmm. questions. And I guess I wanted to ask you, do you think mentorship relationships should be deliberate or organic? So the context of this is, I think a lot of times you make friends at work, right? And it could be friends uh, of all levels who could potentially become your mentors, but you approach it more as a friendship. And if that is the perspective, then how do you, one question is, how do you then take your friendship into a mentorship type of relationship? So that that's one. The other angle is a bit more deliberate, right? Which is I go specifically seeking mentorship from this person because I really admire this person. And so then how do you build that relationship when it's a bit more deliberate? Maybe let's start off with the organic part first. 
Yeah. So a friend that you want to kind of turn into a mentor, right? Yeah. I feel like, um, I feel like for those, um, uh, it's about seeking advice. Um, so say, um, if you've got this great friendship or relationship to say, you know, can I seek your advice on this? Um, I'm thinking about two, two, two things to do with my career and I'd love your insights on it. So I'd, I would go about it that way and see if they're comfortable. And then if, if they are, then say, do you mind if I follow up with you again? Maybe you're going on an interview or you're looking for a new role or something's going on. And, and then you, again, that's the organic is, can I check in with you again after I've had this conversation or can I, can I test my ideas with you? Or would you be a sparring partner for me or a sounding board? So that's one, the formal one, um, as in you want to seek somebody out to be your mentor, right? Just, yeah. I don't know if I have an answer for that. Um, again, I think it's a little bit, and maybe it's just the way I work. It's more, or it's, I think it's more organic and I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, I, I wrote something on LinkedIn and and there was this really very um, great coach. I, did, I didn't know he was this great until I started following him anyway. Um, he um, he wrote something on my LinkedIn and he said, oh, here's I here's the three things. And if you want to talk about it more, I, you know, I'll have a Zoom call with you. This is during COVID. So I started having Zoom calls with him and he was so knowledgeable, so wise. So, and it just grew that way. And I actually just turned him into my mentor, my guide. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was, it's a very formal relationship where we would meet like once a month and asking quite, quite, I said to him, I go, I'm looking to get better at my coaching and you responded to that article. And so we would have monthly calls and it became very formal. So I think you could do it that way. Um, just, and I think, and actually, I think it was he that said, do you want to set up a call monthly and we'll, we'll see where this goes? And I said, yeah, mm-hmm. fine. Um, yeah. So I think they're both the same. You can target somebody and say, I just, you mind if I, and if they have time, right? I, your first question, I, I kind of giggled at because um, should they be informal or formal? And I'm thinking about programs inside organizations. <laughs> and I do think if it, 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 it has to do with the culture of the organization. If you have a really formal culture, then a formal mentoring program will work. If you've got kind of a relaxed culture, which some units of Disney were, it, it needs to be more, it needs to fit into that culture mm. of the firm. Got it. Um, yeah, and I guess I guess for for me, I mean, I think mentorship is something that I've always not struggled with, but I think I know, I think that the thing is, I know the importance of it, but a lot of it is how do we build that sort of board of advisors for your own career? Um, And I think for me, it was, it was, as you said, like usually more organic. And sometimes you don't even realize that these people have played that role for you until you reflect back. And I think so much of it is we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to identify these mentors and be super deliberate about it. When actually there's a lot of people who are already playing those roles in your life that you may not actually recognize that um, they're already there and you do already have mentors in your life. Um, So So true. Yeah, I think it's about that reflective point to say, 
well, who do I go to for advice? Yeah. And, you know, if you, you can probably list the people you go to. And, and I think a lot of times we think that mentors need to be someone who's like so senior, like so established in their careers when actually there's a lot of benefits with having mentors who are just, you know, a few years ahead of you or even, even peers who really understand um, what you're currently going through. I think I used to not recognize that those were also people that um, were my mentors. That's so true. I think, you know, when I give a lot of talks at events, people say, you know, how do I connect with the senior people and find a mentor at the C-suite? I completely agree with you. It doesn't always have to be somebody senior that, yeah. uh, uh, that, that, that is a mentor. As a matter of fact, somebody like who's a peer or somebody you've worked with before and, all, and a boss or something, there's a lot of wisdom. It's just the wisdom that you're looking for and the guidance and somebody who doesn't have a vested interest in your career. That one thing I would advise inside organizations, they'll say, oh, my boss is my mentor. Fine, but not really because they have a vested interest in your career. And if you said, I'm not so certain I want to go up the finance ladder or whatever it is, and you're in finance, probably not I'm not saying uh, some bosses are fine like that. They'll go, yeah, you should go to strategy. You should do this or that. But I always think it's a it's an outside, not an outside, but somebody who's not you're directly reporting to, somebody else inside the organization, if it's internal, that can give you some un, unvarnished, unbiased advice, you know, that you can speak freely with. I'm interrupting my very own episode to let you guys know about my career coaching program that's designed to help you go from lost and frustrated with your corporate job to living and crushing it in your dream career. So if you're feeling unfulfilled, despite having that perfect, prestigious, high-paying job, or if you're someone who's great at chasing and acing other people's dreams but have no idea what your own dreams and goals are, well, today you're in luck. I'm sharing my three-step framework to help you find your passion and get career clarity. If that sounds like something you would want, check out today's show notes to download the free guide now. All right, back to the episode. Yeah. And any advice for expanding your network beyond the people that you work with? Because I know that a lot of people are like, oh, do I now need to go to networking events? I get so nervous around networking events. Are there, you know, do you have any advice around that? If you're nervous about other networking events, do that thing that I said, have your three questions, meet one, make one relation, one key relationship and go with the intention of why you're there. I mean, the one things about networking events that are kind of awkward and I know they're not comfortable for people. I mean, they're just, they can be awkward, right? So, um, but it's like, why are you there? You know, like a lot of us sometimes go to networking events and you're thinking, if you had an intention, oh, I want to learn about this company. I want to learn about this idea. I actually want to meet somebody who's in data mining or something, or, you know what? I think I'd like to have a career in this. Who can I talk to? So go in with some type of an intention rather than, oh, just networked for networking's sake. If you're all say, let's just say, you know, you're only in, let's just use Disney as an example. You know, you worked at Disney and you're only in this world of Disney um, you you need other connections out there to kind of find out what's going on in the world and hear the pros and cons of where you're working, hear what else is going on. But the other thing is, if you're out of a job, a lot of times those kind of networks that are maybe not really tight, but kind of out there, you know, if you look at your second or third connections on LinkedIn, those are going to be the people that are actually really going to help you. And there's 
There's so much written about this. The second and third connections are going to be your, I don't know, there's a name for it. I can't remember, but um, it, yeah, I would not stick. I, I would not stick only inside my firm. One is because you can have the potential to be uh, brand, you know, I don't say branded, labeled, just say, okay, I'm in finance at Disney. That's what I'm known for. And if all my connections are finance at Disney, they know me as that. And if I decide one day, I want to go to HR, I want to go to marketing, this group's going to go, why? You're only known for this. So it's it's perceptions around you. So I think you need to have a, explore outside that network, just the diversity, the richness, the thinking, see other opportunities, and people are going to see you in a different way. And they're probably also going to see strengths that you didn't know you had. Mm-hmm. And any advice for people who are looking to expand their network? How would you go about expanding yours? Um, I would think about why I want to do that. <laughs> um, is it a career move? Is it um, I want to get into a different industry? Is it I just kind of want to learn something different? So figure out what's your why and then start targeting people. Look, LinkedIn's the easiest way to do it. I mean, it's just, it, it is a, can be a marvelous tool. Actually, it's a wonderful tool for, for networking. Um, you can see who's, you know, say you want to get into like, a, you know, hedge funds or private equity or something. Who are the top five people in hedge funds or private equity? Who are the top five people in hedge funds or private equity in Singapore? If you want to say in Singapore, who, do, where did, then start looking at where did they go to school? Maybe I went to the same school as them. Reach out to them. Say, hey, I have an interest in private equity. I see you and I went to NYU together, whatever, NUS. And that's how I'd start doing it. I'd start being, understand why you want to do it. And then um, start unpacking the overlaps between how that person relates to you and or I've also reached out on LinkedIn if um, I look for speakers a lot. And so I'll see somebody who's, I, I either read an article or their expertise and say, would you like to have a call? I'm looking for somebody who can speak on this or uh, you wrote something in this article. I, I, I want to ask you a few more questions about it. And sometimes I'll send the questions and then say, do you mind having a call, a half an hour call? That's how I do. I, I would get to know the person too. I wouldn't just show up and say, Hey, Jennifer, what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely getting the prep work and doing the due diligence is so crucial. Um, cause you are using up some of their time, uh, and they are doing you a favor to, to talk to you. Yeah. Um, but I think that those are really good tips, right? I think using, le- uh, using LinkedIn, um, to expand your network and, you know, cold messaging people, um, and getting them and getting to know them there and trying to see some sort of common ground, like going to the same university or maybe having the same sort of hobbies or interests. I think that those are always, um, good points of connection. Cause I think a lot of the times we think about mentorship relationships as something so formal that we forget it's actually so different from just building a friendship like if you went up to someone today and you wanted to be their friend <laughs> um you would probably also find some points of connection or, or similar interests uh to connect on and that's how friendships are formed and this is just another form of a human relationship that we're building here um and so think, yeah, yeah absolutely absolutely thinking about that as like, hey, I'm just here to make a new friend. How would I approach it if this was just someone I was trying to be friends with and uh, not overly formalize uh, formalize this? 
Yeah. Um, awesome. So I know we're coming up on time, but um, I wanted to see if you had any other advice around um, finding meaning at work, because I think that that is always the number one complaint I get from my clients, which is, I want to leave my job because I just don't find it fulfilling, or I want to find something a bit more um, meaningful in my life. Um, and I think a lot of it is also just recognizing how to find meaning in your job today. Uh, so I wanted to get your thoughts on what you think we can do to try to find more meaning in our existing job. Yeah, I, you know, it's, it is, you're so right. It's one of these areas that uh, hits us at many different times, right? And I think that COVID really had people questioning meaning or purpose or why am I doing what I'm doing? And um, so people had a lot of time to kind of reflect. I think that's a good thing. Um, some questions, I I would go back to, like when people say, I don't have any meaning, I would go back to, well, why did you pick that job in the first place? And a lot of times um, if people say, oh, um, I hear this a lot in Asia, my parents told me to go do this, then it might be time to go, okay, and, and how do you feel about it? Well, I really don't like it. Okay, well then what is it that you do like? Cause that could be one path. Another path was, yeah, I started out in this role because I did this and this and this. Okay, so it had meaning at one point, right? So what's changed? And well, again, what are your values? What's important to you? What 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 are your, you know, what um what are your values and how do they show up at work? And when I've asked this question a couple times to people, particularly in coaching, sometimes what happens is so I found with a couple of people like they had a love of learning and they weren't learning anything. Okay, so if if you could shift that a little bit and maybe learn something or learn something new or work on a different project, would that make it different for you? Oh yeah. Somebody could be as simple as that. The other one is, what do you look forward to on the way to work? Which sounds like a really silly question, but when you ask that question to yourself and it's it's deliberately asked that way, on the way to work, what are you looking forward to? I'm looking forward to getting home. Okay, that tells you that it's not the place you wanna be. I'm looking forward to have coffee with my colleagues. Why? Because I really enjoy, you know, they tell us and get excited about our project. I'm looking forward to get through my to-do list. I'm looking forward, whatever it is, it seems like a simple question, but it starts getting you to think, um, oh yeah, this is what I'm looking forward to. Um, if that answer is, I'm looking forward to going back home, I'm just kind of, then you know that, oh, I need to start digging deeper and figure out what it, what is cause, what it's meaning. So I think those questions, what are you learning? Um, what are you thinking about for the future? Um, maybe you don't have a goal in mind and maybe that's that's your driver and you need to have a goal I, I really want to travel around the world I want to move to a different part of the company and maybe you've that's fallen off your list because you're too busy doing your day job so just little questions like that I don't think you need to go off and go to an ashram and um get you know um just you know spend hours navel gazing I think you just actually need to spend time to reflect and what I find is a lot of people just do 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 and then they haven't spent any time thinking, even if it's just 10 minutes in the morning to just kind of reflect and 
write about what do I really like about this? What do I not like about it? Sometimes finding out what you don't like about a job is it can unpack meaning for you. So mm-hmm. all of those little things you can just do on I'm a big believer in going for walks and then just letting this the questions bubble up and ask myself questions and figure out problems that you know problem solve or something. I, I think walking really helps. I agree. And I think so much of this is just really reflecting, right? As you said, we're so stuck in this busy culture where we're always doing and trying to accomplish things. And uh, we don't really spend a second to step back to be like, hey, do we actually want this promotion? Hey, do we actually want this um, uh, this career for us in the long run? Are we trying to make a partner or MD or whatever it might be? Um and I think a lot of us only start to do that reflection when we've accomplished that goal. And then we realize, wow, is this it? Like I've made it to the top of the hierarchy and now what? Why am I so miserable? And I think a lot of us don't take the time to reflect on our journey to that point. <laughs> and we don't we don't try to question and understand, is this even the end goal that I want? Do I actually want to make partner at a law firm? Do I actually want to, you know, be MD at a bank? Um, is that what I want for myself? And because we don't spend that time reflecting, then once we get there, we're like, oh crap, I feel so unfulfilled. What was the point of the last 10, 15, 20 years of my career? Um, so I think I really like what you said. I think we need to take a step back from the hustle culture and the busyness that we trap ourselves in and really just spend that time really understanding what it is that we want uh, for ourselves. You hit it on the head. So many people I've worked with that made it to MD, then got to MD and went, why am I doing this? Um, And so it is a really, if we could just put those baby steps in between to reflect, I think we have so many things that we do just doing, right? Doing my job, working really hard, even whether it could be um, looking at Instagram, looking at Twitter, looking at LinkedIn or whatever. It's just always feeding, feeding, feeding. But we, what I have found is we've gotten away from just going, is this what I want to do? Am I happy here? Or whatever the question is for that person. So yeah, it's, it's just stop doing and, 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 and like, I also find that people go, oh, just, I'm, I was at an event one time where I was standing next to about five women who had the most amazing jobs I've ever heard. Like they were in marketing innovation for all these different firms and all the products are like, oh my God, I'd kill for a job like that. And they, and they all said, I'm going to an ashram to try to figure out what I want to do with my life. And I'm like, really? Like, first of all, your job sounds fabulous to me. But secondly, why are you going to an, you know, I, I need to take a year off and go on a cruise. No, you don't. You can just like right here and now have, ask yourself a question and get back to what's meaningful for you. Mm-hmm. If you have time to do an ashram or a cruise, go for it. But um, I don't think you need to, to do that. I, I agree. I think the whole eat, pray, love thing has been blown out of <laughs> proportions. And so everybody feels like, oh my God, I need to go the extreme opposite of busyness, which is extreme, you know, silence and retreat and gone and cut off from the world for six months <laughs> when it really doesn't have, have to be like that. It doesn't um, have to be like, if you can do it, great, but it, you don't. And there's so many people I know that I've worked with that said, I'm not happy what I'm doing. I can't take time off. You know, I've got all these other responsibilities and so like, yeah, well, what can we do to help you get a bit, help you get centered? Let's 
ask some questions. Let's unpack it. What I also find too, is that people, you know, I've given people these exercises and sometimes they hesitate. Like, I, oh, I didn't have time to reflect or, oh, I don't really want to go back and I'm afraid what I might see. And I'm like, so there's, there's another element of layer to that. I think fear is definitely um, one of those things that holds us back, right? I think that part of why we don't want to do reflection sometimes is the fear of finding out <laughs> uh, these these things about ourselves in the process of the reflection. And sometimes it's easier to just focus on the task at hand than to deal with all the uh, messiness that comes from self-reflection. Uh, and I think that that's one of the reasons why a lot of people just focus on accomplishing because that's clean, clear cut, straightforward. And uh, reflection is messy and scary and could bring up a lot of uh, unhappiness that you don't know what to do with that unhappiness. So better just to keep that bottled up. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I I really get it. I, I understand it. It can be tough to open up that whole can of worms. Uh, but I think just a reminder that the reward really is there. <laughs> Once you do get through that can of worms, um, you can build something that you are actually excited about. And, you know, this is your career, right? It's a long, long journey. Um, it's never too late, even though, you know, you might feel like, oh, I've already made MD. I'm committed to this career path. I can't possibly switch anymore. It it really isn't. You've still got so many years, decades ahead of you uh, to try to figure this out. And once you do, you can find a career that is, you know, perfect for you. You don't have to live for other people. Um, and I think uh, that's, that's one of those things that, um, you know, it comes back to what, why I do what, what I do as well. I think that that's really the main reason is because I understand how scary it can be to, you know, not want to do this reflection and not want to open up this can of worms because you just don't know <laughs> what you're going to do with all these emotions and all this messiness. Uh, but it is worth it once you get to the other side. So true. And there's a beautiful poem by Ru Ruby that talks about that. I think it's called the Rumi that talks about the stone Ruby at the end of the poem. He says, it's a short poem. He says something like keep digging, um, um, keep, keep working and keep digging. Cause there's water there some somewhere and, mm -hmm. and you'll, you'll eventually find it. And so I think that for those that are afraid, yeah, it's going to bring up some fears and some things you might want to see, but it's, it's not like you're probably going to dwell on that. It's like, cause it's going to show up at some point in your life. It's uh, what I find is that, you know, we talk about midlife a lot and in Asia, I found it skews younger and there's quantitative data on this too. So I found people like in their thirties, like we just said, managing director or going for a partner. And it's at that point that they're like, I don't want to do this anymore. And so you, that, that what's ever bugging you is going to show up at one point in your life and you're going to have to deal with it. So yeah, so follow Rumi's advice on the on the ruby is to keep digging and look for the well, yeah. look for water in the well. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, so I think we've covered a lot today, uh, but just wanted to see if you had any parting words of advice uh, to end off today's podcast. You know, things that you maybe wish you knew early on in your your career that you now know today. I really wish. This is not just because I wrote a book. I really do wish <laughs> I, would, I would have known about uh, political savvy early on in my career. I, one of the reasons why I wrote the book is I was a, I was a lot like every, you know other people out there saying, "Oh, politics is evil. It's bad. Oh my God, don't go near it." You know, and I really wish that I would have learned uh, what I know now. 
um, earlier. And I wish somebody would have pulled me aside and said, here's, here's what it looks like. Um, and then also to get away from the doing, you don't need to do just be and, mm -hmm. and, and be yourself and be, be secure, centered in yourself that, um, yeah, just be, I think that's, you know, don't worry about, oh, check this box and check this box. So yeah, that's what I wish I, somebody would have pulled me aside. The political savvy one is critically important. I think that's probably why I feel so passionate about it. Cause it, it, it was me, you know, I was, didn't like it. And I wanted to get you to elaborate a little bit on what you mean by just be. I think it's something that I'm looking at now is a lot of us, particularly when we're pushed into careers that we don't want to be in, we're busy just doing and checking the box and just be centered in your, first of all, unpack who you are and the impact that you have and who you want to be and wh who, what you, what value you bring to other people. Once you know that, then just stay centered and strong in that you don't need to show or act out or you know i'm so great at this it's just like it, i i truly believe that just be just being centered and offering advice um that it comes that it draws more people to you or the careers or whatever it is that um you want will be will will come your way i know it sounds kind of spiritual but <laughs> i just feel like being centered and just be who you are I really like that. I think, especially in this culture of just doing, as we mentioned earlier, right? We're so busy doing. Uh, sometimes, you know, maybe it's actually just being still and being who you are and letting things come to you instead of always chasing and running and going on the hamster wheel and trying to achieve. Um, I think that's a really nice, nice reminder and a nice way to uh, wrap up today's podcast. Um, so I just wanted to say a huge thank you, Jane, for being on the podcast and sharing your story and so many insights uh, with us. Um, and if you guys are interested, Jane does have three books that she's written on these topics. So highly recommend you guys go check it out. Um, I'll put it in the show notes to today's episode. So you guys have the link to those uh, three books. Um, and yeah, thank you so much, Jane. It's honestly been such a pleasure talking to you today. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you so much. And have the, have a, hope your readers, I'm not readers, your podcast listeners enjoyed it. And there you have it. Part two of my conversation with Jane. Here's a couple key takeaways that I got from this conversation. Number one, building relationships is absolutely critical but also be smart with who you are spending time with and who you are building relationships with. Find a mentor within your company that can speak on your behalf. And also look for someone who knows a lot of people and has the ability to connect you with others. Number two, don't just focus on building connections inside your company. Make sure you've got a very strong network of people you know outside your company as well. This way, you'll really get to know about the industry and also understand the pros and cons of your own workplace relative to other companies out there within your industry. Leverage LinkedIn to turn these second and third degree connections into first degree connections. Three, your mentor does not necessarily need to be your boss or someone in a very senior position. Look to your peers 
there's actually a lot that you could potentially learn from people of your own age or at the same level that you're in. And lastly, in order to find meaning at work, start with your purpose and your values. What is important to you and how is that showing up in your work? Another question to ask is, what are you looking forward to at work? And if the answer is, I'm looking forward to going home, then it's probably time to revisit this job. And that's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Control-Alt-Career. Check back in two weeks' time for my conversation with Sabrina Joseph, the founder of Hunt Street, a secondhand luxury fashion company. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss this awesome episode. And if you liked today's episode, I'd so appreciate it if you can leave me a rating or a review wherever you get your podcast and share this episode with a friend who maybe isn't so happy with their corporate job and need a little extra inspiration. Thanks so much for tuning in as always. I'll see you guys back here in two weeks. Music.